Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of testing and screening from the stats section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a brief overview. Diagnostic testing performance is measured in a variety of ways. Sensitivity and specificity describe the frequency of test results by disease status. Positive and negative predictive value describe the frequency of disease status by test result. Precision and accuracy describe different types of variation in test results. Let's now talk about sensitivity, specificity, positive predictive value, and negative predictive value in more detail. These four measures describe how well diagnostic tests capture the true presence or absence of disease. Predictive value changes with disease prevalence. Sensitivity and specificity do not. A 2 by 2 contingency table can help with calculations. This table would include sensitivity, specificity, positive predictive value, and negative predictive value. Sensitivity is the percent of people with the disease who test positive. It would equal A divided by A plus C from the table, which equals true positives divided by true positives plus false negatives. Highly sensitive tests are good at ruling out the disease. This can be remembered by the phrase rule out snout. Tests with high sensitivity are good for screening purposes. For example, COVID-19 testing would benefit from high sensitivity so all potential cases can be isolated quickly, even if that means briefly isolating those who do not have the disease until follow-up test results return. Note that the false negative rate equals 1 minus the sensitivity. Moving on to specificity, this is the percent of people without the disease who test negative. This equals D divided by B plus D from the table which equals true negatives divided by false positives plus true negatives. Highly specific tests are good at ruling in disease. You can remember this by the phrase rule in spin. Tests with high specificity are good confirmatory tests. For example, after a patient screens positive for HIV on a rapid test, the confirmatory test should be highly specific to ensure that the person is not given a false positive diagnosis of a serious illness. Note that the false positive rate equals 1 minus the specificity. Moving on to positive predictive value, this is the percent of positive test results that are true positives. This equals A divided by A plus B from the table, which equals true positives divided by true positives plus false positives. Note that an increase in prevalence causes an increase in positive predictive value. And finally, negative predictive value is the percent negative test results that are true negatives. This equals D divided by C plus D from the table, which equals true negatives divided by false negatives plus true negatives. Note that an increase in prevalence causes a decrease in negative predictive value. The cutoff point for positivity may be adjusted to optimize the sensitivity and specificity for different purposes, which are inversely related, as the cutoff point with decreased sensitivity is associated with increased specificity and vice versa. Receiver Operating Characteristic Curves, or ROC curves, are a graphical depiction of a test's overall diagnostic performance. On the y-axis, you would have sensitivity, and on the x-axis, you would have 1 minus specificity. The closer the curve fills out the top left corner, the better the test is. Performance is quantified by the area under the curve, or the AUC. An AUC of 0.5 states that the test performs no better than chance, which is a bad test. An AUC of 0.9 suggests a better performing test. Let's now talk about likelihood ratios, or LRs. These are also used to assess diagnostic test performance in isolation or in sequence. 
likelihood ratio does not change with disease prevalence. LRs represent the probability of a patient with a disease having a positive or negative test result in comparison to the probability of a patient without the disease having a positive or negative test result. A positive LR answers the question, how many times more likely is a positive test result observed in cases versus non-cases? It suggests how well disease is ruled in. Positive LR equals the probability of positive test in cases divided by the probability of positive test in non-cases. It equals true positive divided by false positive. It equals sensitivity divided by 1 minus the specificity. Referring to the table, it equals A divided by A plus C divided by 1 minus D divided by B plus D, or A divided by A plus C divided by B divided by B plus D. Positive likelihood ratios of greater than 1 suggest that patients with the disease are more likely to have a positive result compared to those without the disease. A negative likelihood ratio answers the question, how many times more likely is a negative test result observed in cases versus non-cases? It suggests how well disease is ruled out. It equals the probability of a negative test in cases divided by the probability of negative test in non-cases. It equals false negative divided by true negative. It equals 1 minus the sensitivity divided by the specificity. And in terms of the contingency table, it equals 1 minus A divided by A plus C divided by D divided by B plus D, or C divided by A plus C divided by D divided by B plus D. Note that negative likelihood ratios of less than 1 suggest that patients with the disease are less likely to have a negative result compared to those without the disease. And lastly, let's talk about precision and accuracy. Precision is also known as reliability. It is consistent, reproducible, and there is no random variation. Accuracy reflects true value, and there is no systematic variation. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A phase 3 clinical trial is testing the efficacy of a novel checkpoint inhibitor as immunotherapy for metastatic melanoma with central nervous system involvement. The study enrolled 350 patients, 150 of whom were randomized to receive the novel checkpoint inhibitor. The primary endpoint of the study was mortality at one year. For the experimental group, the median survival was 13.6 months and the number of subjects surviving at one year was 90. For the control group receiving standard treatment, the median survival was 11.9 months and the number of subjects surviving at one year was 80. Which of the following represents the absolute risk reduction of this experimental drug? 1. 0 0.20 2. 0 0.33 3. 0 0.40 4. 0 0.60 or 5. 0 0.67 And the correct answer choice is answer choice 1, 0 0.20. In this trial, mortality at one year was 60% for the control group, which is 120 divided by 200, and 40% for the experimental group, which is 60 divided by 150, resulting in an absolute risk reduction of 20%, or 0 0.20, because 60% minus 40% is 20% for death as the primary endpoint. Remember, absolute risk reduction, or ARR, is the difference in risk in an experimental group versus a control group. 
For ARR, the intervention is one that lowers the risk. To calculate risk, the number of subjects who develop the outcome in the experimental group or control group is divided by the total number of subjects in the experimental group or control group. The inverse of the absolute risk reduction, or 1 divided by ARR, is the number of subjects who need to be treated for one patient to benefit, which is the number needed to treat, or NNT. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 2, 0.33 or 33%, is the relative risk reduction, or RRR, which is the proportion of risk reduction attributable to the experimental group, also calculated as RRR equals 1 minus RR. Answer choice 3, 0.40 or 40%, is the risk of mortality at one year for the experimental drug alone, which is calculated by 60 divided by 150. Answer choice 4, 0.60 or 60% is the risk of mortality at one year for the control group alone, which is calculated by 120 divided by 200. And finally, answer choice 5, 0.67 or 67% is the relative risk, which is calculated by the risk of one year mortality in the exposed group divided by the risk in the control group, or 0.40 divided by 0.60. In summary, absolute risk reduction is the difference in risk in an experimental group versus a control group. Next question. An epidemiologist is studying the relationship between consumption of spicy foods and the development of gastric ulcers. In order to do this, she conducts a prospective cohort study where she enrolls 700 healthy individuals and follows them longitudinally for several years. At baseline, she finds that 200 of the subjects routinely eat spicy food, whereas the rest of them do not. At the end of the study, she finds that 50 of the patients who regularly consume spicy food developed gastric ulcers, whereas 100 of the patients who do not consume spicy food develop gastric ulcers. Which of the following is the relative risk of developing gastric ulcers in patients who consume spicy foods? 1. 0.05 2. 0.25 3. 0.33 4. 1.25 or 5, 1.33. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 4, 1.25. The relative risk of developing gastric ulcers in subjects who are exposed to spicy food can be calculated as 50 divided by 200 divided by 100 divided by 500, which equals 1.25. These numbers come from the contingency table that you can make using the data in the vignette, and the rationale is as follows. Relative risk is a statistical measure that is commonly used to assess the relationship between a risk factor and a disease process in cohort studies. The measurement is defined as the ratio between the risk of developing disease in subjects exposed to the risk factor compared with subjects who are not exposed. The risk of developing a disease can be calculated as subjects with disease over all patients who are at risk of getting the disease. Therefore, the risk of exposed patients would be A divided by A plus B, and the risk of unexposed patients would be C divided by C plus D on a 2 by 2 table. The overall relative risk can then be calculated as A divided by A plus B divided by C divided by C plus D. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, 0.05 is the attributable risk of eating spicy food with regards to developing gastric ulcers. The attributable risk can be calculated as A divided by A plus B minus C divided by C plus D, or 50 divided by 200 minus 100 divided by 500, which equals 0.05 in this case.
Answer choice 2, 0.25 is the absolute risk of developing gastric ulcers in subjects who eat spicy foods. The absolute risk can be calculated as A divided by A plus B or 50 divided by 200, which equals 0.25 in this case. Answer choice 3, 0.33 is the likelihood that a patient who has gastric ulcers also ate spicy foods. The likelihood can be calculated as A divided by A plus C, or 50 divided by 150, which equals 0.33 in this case. And finally, answer choice 5, 1.33 is the odds ratio of exposure to spicy food in subjects who developed gastric ulcer. This measure is calculated as A times D divided by B times C. However, it is not the same as the relative risk, which is calculated as A divided by A plus B divided by C divided by C plus D. In summary, the relative risk is used for cohort studies and can be calculated as A divided by A plus B divided by C divided by C plus D on a standard 2x2 two two table. And that's all for this review about testing and screening. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullet Step 1 podcast.